Well, I don't know if you guys heard, but we started a three o'clock service today. Doesn't look like any of you went to it. <laughs> so hopefully this doesn't fill up too quick. Oh, wow. Well, uh, let's pray and go ahead and uh, hold hands with the person next to you. If uh, you're single and you think that person's cute, just give a little squeeze. <laughs> Joking. Lord, we thank you for marriage. No, I'm just joking. God, we love you and we thank you that we get to be in your church tonight and worship your name and hear your word. And I ask God that you will give us the faith of your heart tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, who is believing for a spouse? <laughs> well, I got good news. We're talking about that sometime later. All right, well, if you have your Bibles and you can uh, turn them to Hebrews chapter 11, and then if you could also mark 1 Samuel chapter 14, those are two verses I want us to read together tonight. We're going to read some scripture so that we have a legal church meeting. Got to have the Bible in there somewhere, right? So last week we talked about hope. And that hope is like Christmas morning expectation. You wake up with an, uh, a confident expectation of goodness coming your way. You know, and when I woke up as a little kid on Christmas morning, I did not know what was coming. I did not know exactly, you know, what Santa was going to bring. But I knew goodness was coming. It was just this general expectation that goodness is coming my way, like King David. So I would have despaired unless I believed the goodness of the Lord. I was going to see it in the land of the living, right? So that's hope. Um, tonight, I want to talk about faith, and I want to actually invite you to join me uh, together in, the, uh, in a season of faith that the Lord has us in. And so um, I have some exciting information, and, and it's going to be a, a unique sermon because it's a unique time of life, at least for me. <laughs> Who's like really intrigued right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, come on. So Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. All right, so last week, it's a confident expectation of goodness. That's hope. But faith is the assurance of of things hoped for. It's the substance of things unseen. So faith is when our hope materializes into something concrete. And I put my faith, I am believing God for this. So hope, you guys are like dead silent, I swear. I could have dropped a pin right there. It kind of freaks me out. So it's the substance of our hope. I am believing God for blank. Right, it's something concrete that my faith attaches to. Right, and faith is this faculty within us. It's this, it's this something with power we can lock into that attains promises. It pulls his world into our world. Right? It is like sticking a lightning rod right into the storm around the throne of God. It attracts it attracts him, right? We want to be people of faith that reach out and touch the hem of his cloak, that his virtue can flow into our lives. So we can't just hope in his goodness. There are times where we have to put our faith 
in, in what God has spoken. Right? So I want to talk about that tonight. So how does our hope materialize? And it's through promises. God speaks in the language of promise. And he says, yes, I'm good. And for you, this is what I promise to you. Right? And, he, and he puts a vision. He puts a face for our hope, you know, for what hope looks like so that we can actually put our faith and believe God for it. And God loves the language of promise because the language of promise is language that's built upon trust. Right? He speaks um, and he promises, he pledges himself to us, says this is what I'm going to do. And our belief in, what, in that promise actually is a sign that we trust who he is. Right? I'm only going to put so much stock in the words of how much I trust that person. Right? If, I, if I don't trust the goodness of a person's heart, their promise doesn't mean very much to me. Right? And so God is actually inviting us deeper into relationship. It's love language. It's, it's the language of intimacy. He says, this is my promise to you. And he's inviting us to respond in faith. Because when we respond in faith, what we are communicating to Jesus is, I trust you. I trust you. I love you. Right? And Jesus is looking for faith. I don't have the reference because it just came to me in the moment last service. Uh, but there's this, this, this vulnerable depiction of Jesus' heart in the Gospels. Where he says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Right? He loves faith. He values faith. Because it's, it draws us into connection. It draws us into intimacy. It's, it's language. It's communication built on trust. And relationships are formed on trust. And God wants us fully to trust him. And he grows us and sanctifies us so that he can fully trust us. And we come into a depth of union with him. Right? And so faith is vital to this process. And if you scroll down a few more verses from Hebrews 11.1, 1, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith... It is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Right? It's impossible to please him without faith. We have to believe that he's a rewarder. We have to believe he's faithful. We have to believe he's promise maker and promise keeper. If we come to him, he's good and he's unfailing and he will fulfill every promise, everything he speaks and tells you. We have to believe this. Right? We have to have faith in these promises. We have to see that him promising himself is an invitation for us to partner with faith and come into a new realm of relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So what does it mean to put our faith into something? What does that actually look like? Because right? I think there's a mistake we often make is that we think faith is this internal thing. It's like kind of this internal, intangible quality that I have a conviction I believe in something. And I would say that is where faith begins, right? but is not where faith ends. And faith is a, uh, it's a paradox in a sense. And we know that saving faith, for instance, we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We put our faith that he loves us, died for us on a cross, and we're forgiven of our sin. We didn't have to earn that. 
right? But we are required to put our faith in that, right? But then James 2, uh, if you scroll like two pages right, you're already there. James, James got some interesting perspective on faith himself, and James is a pastor of a church, so I'm sure he'd see many people. He's like, no, that's not the whole thing. Right, so he's trying to correct us a little bit here. And he says in chapter 2 of verse, and then verse 17, he has a, a commentary on faith. He says, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Whoa, that's kind of different. I thought it was like no works, just faith. Right? I'm not, I don't think uh, James is really arguing with that. I think he's bringing a greater understanding of what is faith. He's saying faith without works is dead. It's not just an internal reality. There's something more. Scroll down four verses, verse 21. It says, Was not Abraham our father justified was working works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, Faith was perfected, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Right? So what, what James, I believe, is communicating is, yes, faith starts with this internal conviction. But for faith to truly be faith, it actually, you have to act on it. Right? It's talking about belief in an unseen reality. Right, Noah is uh, one of the people of faith in the Hebrews 11 chapter on faith. And it says, you know, Noah believed God. He had faith. And so he built an ark. Right? If God says, hey, Noah, I want you to build an ark. The world's going to get flooded. He's like, I believe you. But he didn't build an ark. That doesn't really count for much, does it? Right? If I came to you and I was like, guys... Gabriel came to me last night in my room. He said that Bitcoin's going to triple again by next week. And you say, Jordan, I believe you. I got faith you're telling the truth. And you didn't buy any. I'd question your faith. Uh, I might not buy Bitcoin, actually. It kind of freaks me out. <laughs> I still can't. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. But you see what I'm saying. You have to act on it. There's something external that God actually wants to see. And it's not just enough to say, yeah, I believe that. Right? Our actions actually have to confirm that we believe that as well. Does that make sense? Uh, John Wimber is famous for saying, you spell faith, R-I-S-K. You spell faith, R-I-S-K. You risk. That is what faith looks like. Right? So it is an internal conviction in things unseen, and externally it looks like R-I-S-K. Right to the edge of the boat, and then off into the water. Risk. It looks like risk. And if you don't believe me, then read the Bible through and see how many times men or women are risking, even their very lives, obeying the word of the Lord. Right? Sometimes it's easy to like read things retrospectively. We're like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Gosh, that's awesome. It's like, no, no. Gideon had to tell his army to go home. No, like literally he's shaking in his less, less 300. That's, that's not comfortable. 
There's nothing logical about that. It doesn't make sense. There's no, there's no emotional comfort you're finding in that place. It's just, I'm going to believe God on his bare word and nothing else. Right? And God is asking us to do the same thing because we have a greater revelation of who God is than Gideon did. We have seen the exact representation of the Father, and it's his son, Jesus Christ. So we should have even more confidence to risk something more. Right? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, and it is while we, uh, you know, we gain approval, it says in Hebrews 11. I love the story, if you, you're there in 1 Samuel chapter 14. I love it. It's very relatable to me. It sounds very human, and it's also terrifying. So we're going to read about Jonathan, and this is a man of great faith. In the context, Israel is under assault. Uh, they are afraid. Saul is kind of... Uh, checked out in kind of a safe haven. The army is hiding in caves, and Jonathan, from the context of the story, isn't really content with what's going on. And uh, so he's kind of surveying the situation. It sounds like basically that the Philistines are kind of on the other side of a kind of a ravine, canyon, something. Jonathan surveys, and he kind of starts working his way over towards where the Philistines are. And in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 14, uh, this, this verse literally floors me. It says, Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, yeah, hey, let's go risk our lives over there. Perhaps the Lord will show up and help us. It's basically what he's doing. Right? And I love that Jonathan takes permission in this story that I'm going to put myself in a situation where I think God might show up. Right? Sometimes I think we are always waiting. We're waiting for God to tell me, tell me what to do next, tell me what to do next. I want to be your perfectly obedient puppet on a string or your robot. Right? And God doesn't want a puppet on a string or a robot. He wants a bride. Right? He wants someone to live in relationship with. And the beautiful thing, the mystery, is that God has given us the permission in Jesus to actually come to him with requests, to come to him with ideas. Right? And it doesn't mean, oh, we can do whatever we want. We need his approval, but we don't always need him to be the one initiating. And in this story, it's a man initiating a plan to God. Because he had faith, right? I don't even need you to speak to me yet. I know what you're like. So I'm going to go put myself in a situation that I think you might show up in. Right? I've told people before, God never told me to start this church. Whew. What? I asked him. I brought it to him. It was in my heart. He told me no, like four or five times. Had meetings. Nope, 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 no grace. Finally, I went to him. God. This just, I, is it time? Can I please? And all I felt was peace. And I knew it was like, you have permission to continue. But it was never like, but I was always like, well, what does that mean? Are you going to bless it? Are you going to show up? Is it going to grow? You know, like, I didn't know. He never gave me that. I just brought it to him. I was initiating. And we are junior partners in the family business. Dad's got the final say, but he likes our ideas. Because he wants his kids to be empowered. And Jonathan uh, comes, he demonstrates this. And, you know, from here it gets even crazier for me because he says here, um, so he, he starts looking and he sees, uh, he sees the Philistines over there. And he says this, this is, this is Jonathan's plan. He says, uh, behold, we'll cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. 
If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord's given them into our hands, and this shall be the sign to us. So faith, I want to demystify this, faith really boils down to something very practical at the end of the day. There's a very, very uh, universal kind of transaction process that takes place in every faith experience, and it's this. A man or a woman believes they have received some sort of revelation from God. They believe it, and they act on it. That's kind of what it boils down to. It's that, is I receive, I, somehow, I believe God's speaking, I believe it's him, and I act on it. Right? And so Jonathan's plan is him and his armor bearer against the army. His plan is, if they say to us, stay there, it's not God, but if they say, come up, we know we got the victory, man. You with me? <laughs> and, and so they say, they say, come up. That's all he needed to risk his life. And he steps out and risks his life in faith that I know the God I serve. He's the God of the angel armies, and he's going to give me victory. And from my perspective, it's almost like God's like, all right, man, I got to show up. This is too much. Like, but God, that is faith in my heart. This is pulling me in. Right? And that is what God, that is faith that moves the heart of God. I, I, I'm just, I'm going to believe you on your bare promise. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to risk my life on it. Awesome. Come on. Right? This is how this church has been built. Literally from the first stone to the last well, that we've put up thus far. There's probably some more to put down. All right, but it's been a, a risk, risk, risk. It's been a journey into my vulnerability and weakness because I thought the risk like, might stop after like six months and they just keep getting bigger and more and scarier. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> you're going to show up, right? You're going to give us the victory, right? You know, but I can, I've, I've heard the stories. This is, this is to the staff. This is to the congregation. This is the people that have moved. This is the people that have flown across the country to come. This is the, the people that have left their jobs, you know, the steeples. This is Jordan and Amy. When I asked Jordan, hey, I want you to be a part of this church. I don't have a name. I don't know when it's starting. I don't have any job title for you. And I don't have any money, but I really think you should come. Like, all right, we'll pray. Like, that is how this church, it's just risk after risk after risk. People said, I'm putting my faith in God because I believe he's speaking to me. Right? And I know there's many stories I don't know, but it has been a journey of risk. You know, in India, I don't even know if I've been able to communicate how deeply vulnerable it's been. But what has basically served to now launch a lot of the current ministry in the Riverhouse India was one pastor saw God move one night, and he was so convinced that God spoke to him that we're supposed to create this, this ministry and do this event that without ever, I mean, he didn't even know anything about me other than one night, said, I think you need to pray about coming back. So then I went and said, okay, Lord, are you going to be in this? And I felt confirmed, yes, I'm going to show up, I'm going to heal, I'm going to save, I'm going to deliver, like it's going to be this thing. He went and found a group of pastors that believed his vision without ever seeing me, and I'm 26 at the time, 
And they say, yeah, we're going to put on this crusade. And then I went and started telling people here, yeah, pay 2000 bucks and come to India. We're going to see God move. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, I really hope this isn't a scam. <laughs> Much less if God shows up. I'm like, can, is this real? I'm like, all right, Lord, we are going to get there. And it's like there's going to be something going on, right? Like it was the most vulnerable experience of my entire life. Like I was like, oh, my gosh. And God showed up, and it was just birthed on, like, naked faith. That's the best way I could describe the feeling. Just kind of felt like I was naked all the time for six months. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not kidding you. Like, it, I don't know how to describe the depth of discomfort that that was. And, uh, again, from faith for faith. Right, this is, this is the posture we're called to live in. It's like, you don't really ever feel comfortable walking on water. I don't imagine it ever really settles like, oh yeah, this is normal. No, it's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, right? But it's on the water that we come alive. It's on the water we behold the king. Not just Jesus the carpenter, Jesus the creator, manifesting his glory on top of a surface human beings have no business being on. That's what I want to be. That's where I want to live. I want to see the impossible. I want to do things that aren't supposed to be done. Because we serve the God of miracles. And it is faith that accesses that realm. It's not sitting in the boat. The uncomfortable nature of risk is that failure is guaranteed. If you live a life of risk, you will live a life marked by, uh, with a lot of failure. You'll have, you'll have success, but you'll have failure as well. Like we, we, for some reason, have the hardest time accepting the presence of failure in our walks with God. Like we, we will accept it in entrepreneurship. We'll accept it in athletics. We'll accept it in music. We'll accept it in art. We'll accept it in families. We'll accept it in relationships. But then it's like we somehow have this deeply ingrained thing that we expect that when it comes to church and spirituality and our relationship with God and hearing his voice, it will be perfect. I will never fail. And in fact, if I fail, that means something is deeply wrong. I, I, it's, it's a religious mindset that's from the pit of hell to try to lock the church into these safe bounds, try to keep us fixed in a boat when we're made to walk on water. Right, and so we have to recognize that failure is perhaps our greatest teacher in life. And when we experience failure, our Father is the greatest encourager we know, and he will encourage us all the way through so that we can learn the lessons we're supposed to learn. When I talk about failure, I'm not talking about moral failure. I'm talking about I believed the best I could. I heard what God said, and I stepped out, and I sunk. Right? We have to learn how we can process this and learn to embrace failure as a friend. It's not a foe. It teaches us. It transforms us. It, it, it tutors us into who God's created us to be. Right? And I uh, have been taking a lot of risk now for a while. And I can tell you honestly, like, I mean, I can think off the top of my head dozens and dozens of failures in relationship to hearing the voice of the Lord. Uh, failures in leadership. Failures in my own personal life. Public failures. All failures stepping out and prophesying. Failures preaching. Gosh, I could give you a long list. You know, and in all of them, 
the Lord would be so faithful? Well, as I would honestly assess and say, okay, why did I fail? Because this, this, like, this is the fleshly response. Oh, I failed. God, you said you're faithful, and you didn't, you didn't, you didn't fulfill that promise. I'm offended. Right? That's the flesh, right? But a humble heart will say, okay, you the same yesterday, today, forever. You know it failed. It's impossible for God to, you know, it's like, all right. Problem's not with you. <laughs> so t- talk honest to me. What did I do, right? And it's in my greatest failures that their greatest refinement has come to me. And in refining me and my ability to discern the voice of the Lord, right? And again, where does all faith transaction come from? My ability to hear, believe, and act upon. And what I found is that as I honestly assess my failure, I actually then find grace that empowers me to risk even more. And so I I, I will continue to take risk. I take risk in leadership. I take risk in empowering people. I take risk in my own personal life. I take I take risk. It's like I'm I'm insane. I'm like sentencing myself to eternal vulnerability. (laughs) But I can't help it because he just continues. No, no. I promise, I promise, I promise, right? And so we have to embrace uh, failure and, and stop fearing it and allow it to refine us so that we continue to be the people that pioneer further and further and further into what God wants to do. We want to be people that acquire and attain these promises that God has given us. Um, I've heard it said, and I, I think I've preached this here, uh, that I will never ask you, I can't ask you to live a life of risk, which is what Jesus is asking us to do out there, if we're not willing to model it here, and if I am not willing to model it here. And so tonight, uh, I am going to risk in front of you what I believe God has spoken and what I believe God is doing in these days. Um, so this is vulnerable, but I'm getting out of the boat because I believe God and I believe he's faithful. Uh, we uh, started here in uh, this, is our first service, our birthday service was November 6th of 2016 in this very room. And uh, there's probably, there's more people that night because I think friends and people came, but we were probably 50, 60 people at that point. And I had, uh, I, I shared a vision. I said, this is going to be a, a campus. One day we're going to have a campus. Uh, that will house 1,500 to 2,000 people. We're going to plant churches. We're going to see global ministry. We're going to see crusades across the world. Uh, we're going to see, all, you know, I just, I went into it. You can listen to more. And I said, I believe God's going to give us the Boise Armory. And uh, I told many people, I said, I don't know that God's ever told me that, but I brought the idea to him, and I felt peace about it. So I shared that. And to me, uh, that campus represented uh, Something bigger than who we were in our infancy. I wanted to, to look. No, no, this is where God's taking us. Though we are small in size, we are not a small church. God has a global call on this church. He's going to send us to the nations. We're going to see churches planted. I just, I believed. I believed what he said, and that was uh, the materialization of my hope and my confident expectation, and I shared that. And a year later, I found myself in a meeting sitting across from the owner of that building, and uh, I believed, okay, God, this is it. You're going to do a miracle, and we're going to see this thing. And uh, I was praying, and, and I hadn't just prayed. You know, I'd, I, I'd spent many hours in that parking lot praying, believing, with faith, making myself vulnerable for the Lord. This is what I believe. This is what I ask for. This is what I declare. This is uh, attaching my face in, any, in faith in any way I knew how. And uh, after that meeting, uh, it wasn't really a bad meeting or a good meeting. Uh, I just left it very discouraged. 
And uh, it took me a bit to kind of process what was going on, maybe even, you know, weeks, months. But I, I, I think I, what I started to experience is that God's grace wasn't on that. And it was very, very disappointing for me personally. And I processed it mostly private so that by the time that I could, uh, you know, speak to it with staff, other people, um, it was uh, not as hard for me because it was very disappointing. Um, and the Lord in that process began to uh, really just unsettle me. Okay, we're growing. Everybody's always asking, where are we going? What are we doing? Where's the building? No one can find a seat on 5 o'clock service. Like, ah, you know, when are we going to three services? I'm like, oh, hopefully never. <laughs> Preaching twice is hard enough, you know. Uh, I wasn't. And so, we, you know, we, were, we probably dragged our feet for four months on going to three services because, frankly, I wasn't ready for it personally. And uh, sitting in all of this, and I had a conversation and processing all of this, and I said, I, you know, at one point, the, I think the owner of the building came back, said, we want to do this lease, and I told John, no, I'm done. It's not it. And uh, very hard um, to kind of, okay, well, wh- where's the land? What are you going to do? Like, I, we can't be here forever. Every option we began exploring down here, nothing. I had a conversation probably last year sometime, and he said, somebody said, you know, Jordan, I think that there's more of a regional call upon Riverhouse, and what, if you thought about, like, a, a central location in the valley? Said, nope, don't want that. Want to be in downtown Boise. I wasn't ready, and uh, that just kept nagging in my mind, and as I began assessing, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Looking at how this church is growing, it's not a downtown Boise church. I think I came to terms with that a while back, and people are coming from all over the place, including, like, Idaho Falls, and, uh, you know, Nampa, and Marcin. I'm hearing all these things. I'm like, gosh, you have more faith than I do. And, uh, but coming, and in that I said, okay, well, we'll start looking, maybe more of a central location in Boise. And again, found nothing, found nothing. We found a few promising things, other churches offering their spaces, and it was always no, 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 no. And it honestly, it was like, Lord, I don't know what to do, but we're going to go to three services. And as I left for India two weeks ago, my, my thought would have been, okay, well, we're going to have to go on a long process, saving up money to buy very expensive real estate and eventually build a building, which is extremely expensive right now. And that's probably the best thing I can think of because there is nothing existing that we have seen that even closely uh, would fit us. Um, I'm in India at an early morning prayer meeting with like 50 pastors at the end of it. They say, hey, we want to pray for you in Riverhouse. I said, awesome. They're like, could you just tell us what you want us to pray for? I said, yeah, we need wisdom. We need strategy for what the Lord's doing in us. And I said, and we need a building. They said, okay. And they began to pray for the next five minutes in a way you've never seen human beings pray in your life. Shoot! <laughs> and I was just like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> And uh, I believe it was either that night or the next morning, I'd have to check, it was within like the next 48 hours, got an email from John, hey, this building just came on the market, looks really promising. I was in the floors of ministry there, so didn't really have much time to even look at it, didn't have internet often. About the day before I was coming home, I said, this looks good, can we walk through it the day I get back? He said, yeah. So I got home late on a Friday night, Saturday morning, eight days ago, we walked through it, and it was me, John, and then Johnny Glisson. Um, who's one of the leaders on the board, and I just knew it was our building. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. And uh, I think we all looked at each other and said, there's peace. And uh, I said, let's pray. And I prayed, and I said, all right, Lord. Um, we knew that there, unfortunately, was already an offer on the building. 
and uh, didn't know much more. And I said, God, if there's a way, you're going to make a way where there's no way. And if it's you, I believe it. And I'm asking in faith, and I'm knocking on the door of heaven. And uh, got in the car, drove home. John talked to the realtor, and they said, yeah, not only is it a full price, it's a full price offer, and they've already been countered offered. And uh, they have uh, 48 hours to say yes, and basically it's off the market. It belongs to them. And I said, crap. Crap. Like, this is perfect. So I prayed, and I got like Jonathan. I threw a fleece out before the Lord. And I said, Lord, if this is you, stop that offer and get this building under contract for the church. I don't know how we'll get the money, but if you get this under contract, I believe you're going to give us this building. And uh, Monday at 5, 10 p.m., John got a phone call. Other offer did not go through. We want to go under contract with you. They called on Tuesday morning. We signed the contract, and we went under contract with this building. (laughs) I'm glad you're happy. (laughs) Because there's more to this journey. (laughs) Um, the space, we think, can easily hold 750 people in a sanctuary, potentially more, with the use of bleachers, other things. Uh, it has four adjacent properties that are all grass, so we could develop it into campus. Um, it's right off the Flying Y on the freeway, so just off Maple Grove. Um, and it's about 12 minutes from downtown Boise, 14 minutes from downtown Meridian, 20 minutes from downtown Eagle, and probably 20 minutes from downtown Nampa. So it's about as central in this valley as you get, and it's about, it's, about, <laughs> it's about 15 feet off the edge of the interstate. So I can just see in Boise as it is in heaven. <laughs> and uh, we have about uh, 30 to 60 days tops to come up with half a million dollars. Come on, cheer, cheer, cheer. And I believe that God's going to provide every dollar. And uh, so I'm not going to ask for your money tonight. We'll do that later. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I really don't want to, anyone to ever feel bait and switched. Um, and so we are going to have a vision meeting uh, Saturday at 6 o'clock. And they're going to put the address on the screen uh, at the actual building. And so we want you to see it. And we want you um, to invite you that we do this really as a family. And that we partner together to see this miracle happen. Uh, I don't know how, but I believe that God makes a way where there's no way. And I believe it's bigger than just a building. I believe it's about multiplying the testimonies that we're seeing take place. And there's a reason that we're at three services 18 months into a church. It's because God's moving and he's multiplying this. And he's desiring capacity for that to continue so that his kingdom can continue to come and lives can be transformed and families can find healing and, 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 and the gospel go forth in purity and power. And so uh, I believe this is home. I have put my faith. I'm out on the water, and I believe every dollar is going to come in. And I, I want you to be a part of that. And the, I want everyone to be a part of that, uh, regardless of how much money is in your bank account. And so we're not... Uh, we will not manipulate you. We're not going to force you. This is going to be a work of God. And this is a grassroots movement, so I fully expect that this will be a grassroots testimony of the people of God being used. And so 
my invitation into you is to ask God and search your heart, what do you have to give? And what does it look like for you to get out of the boat and on the water and say, God, we trust you. We trust you and we believe you and use us somehow to build your kingdom. And uh, I desire God to have a habitation in the city in a place that is fully set apart where his glory can uh, even increase. And I believe that there's new levels and new places that the Lord's desiring to bring us into and that there is a unique call and an anointing upon us to be a church that equips churches, that plants churches, that sends missionaries and mission movements to the nations. And I believe that this is a vital and pivotal step to that taking place. So these are exciting days. uh, And I ask that you would please consider coming at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. To the building to hear more. We will have uh, the practicals of the business side and, and details um, from a lot of different perspectives. We want you to fully know what you're going into. This is not a, an emotional thing. Um, this is a God thing. Um, so I thank you for your prayer and your partnership in this journey. And uh, really just to close tonight, I, I just ask you all to stand. I just want us to pray and call on the, the name of the God of miracles that he will provide exceedingly and abundantly. And I don't want him to just provide enough. I want him to provide more than enough. And I want him to do a story and a testimony that builds our faith for the decades to come that when every person comes into that building, they remember this is what God did. And if he can do it there, what's he going to do for me? And just a testimony that releases faith into our city. So God, I thank you that you are the God of miracles. I thank you, God, that you provide where you guide, Lord, and we just ask for the abundance of heaven to rest upon us, God. I thank you that we each have something of great value to offer in this journey, and I thank you, God, that you are inviting us as a family to get out of the boat once and forever, God, to to just burn the boat behind us and live a life walking with you, believing in you, God, the God who raises the dead, and we ask, God, that you will do that and even greater things in our midst, Lord, as you move to to build your kingdom and bring your son glory in this region of the earth, God. We thank you for the call upon us as your people, called by your name, Lord, and we thank you for the miracle. I praise you in advance, God. I say, gracias, Señor, God. Thank you for what you did for Cali, Colombia, God, that you can do it for us, Lord. What you did for the testimony after testimony, your faithfulness, you will surely do it for us, God, as we seek you and we partner with you with all our hearts, God. So we praise you and we bless your mighty name tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.